and from the sidelines. <laughs> and we're live. Wow. We're live. Ah, we're I didn't live. Even... 2022, we're live. Whooping that time. How cool is it to be back? It is good. It's been too long, and a lot of shit has happened, as we know. And for those yep. who don't know, this is Aussie Craft Distillers shooting the shit. And that's yep. what we're going to do. So before we go any further, let's introduce our guest, and then we'll have a bit of a chinwag about uh, a few other things. But first and foremost, we have Cameron Symes from Lime Burners from Great Southern Distilling Co. Cam, how are you, mate? No, going very good, thanks, Crafty. Um, it's a bit hot today over here, but uh, yeah, unusual for us, but going well. Let out busy, get staff, but you know, the usual shit. I was going to say, is it ever not hot? Uh, uh, look where I live, <coughs> so Albany and Perongrups, our average numbers of days above 42 is one a decade. Oh. So, you know, we are, we are oh. much more. Perongrups is quite often six degrees at night. So, um, yeah, no, forget that desert, mate. Where I live, there are forests. Mountains. Right, there you mm. go. <laughs> good good whiskey-making country, Cam. Yep. <laughs> all right. So, um, all right. So, yeah, so we've got Cameron Signs, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, for those who don't know, and I'm sure there's many who would know, but Cam is, is really one of those first waiver distillers. He, he was there at the start of... Uh, you know, Australian craft um, spirits. So it's really awesome to get Cam on. And it's really good. We got Cam on on the back of, in December, we had Bill Lark on. So, um, you know, we're getting people who are interested in what we're doing on Shooting the Shit. Uh, you know, we're trying to create a platform for Australian distillers to tell their story. So this is, this is it. This is, this is what we're up, up to and we think we're doing it right. So I'll just cut into something quickly. Um, over the holidays... We went and got some sponsors. So, awesome. how cool is that? Sponsors. Yeah. Sponsors. It's called a level of professionalism, people. Oh, so, I wouldn't oh, go that far. Look at that. <laughs> it's a level <laughs> of, anyway. <laughs> you pulled the and slide. Have, it looks good, mate. It looks good. We, we so, do um, appreciate our sponsors. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I mean, we've got, um, now just quickly, we've got uh, barrel brokers. So Barrel Brokers in Victoria, Robbie Tugnock and Co. Thanks, Robbie. We've got Burns Welding and Fabrication, which is Burns, Mark Burns um, and uh, Michelle Burns, fabricator to the industry for building equipment for distilleries. We have Youngy, YN Yoke, um, and he is a master cooper, and I use a lot of Youngy barrels. Then we have CCL Labels. CCL Australia is one of the largest providers of packaging uh, in the spirits sector. Down the bottom, we have Saverglass. Saverglass is one of the larger bottle suppliers uh, to the industry. Um, so they're a, they're a proud supporter, so it's really cool to get them on board. Transwood, another Cooperage. Cooperage, uh, Dave and Pam down in uh, Tasmania. Uh, they're on the grounds of Adams Distillery. Uh, doing some pretty amazing work. And I get some pretty good rum casks out, out of those guys. And then a mate of mine, um, local 
natural spring water and wild wogan. So Adrian, I get all my water from Adrian. So all my whiskeys, gins, everything are made with his stuff. So very cool to have sponsors. That's it. We won't talk anymore. Let's rip into the show and let's go. Where'd he go? <laughs> I'm here, mate. I'm here. I'm here. He's, I'm there. Uh, <laughs> he's a pirate. I was thinking. Well, now, 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 now. Look. Right. So this no, is, you can see out here, right? This is, is not, not hot. This is looking beautiful. And, oh, wow. You know, wow. A bit of water and shit around. So, yeah, that, um, that virtual uh, background, I was trying to keep my marketing people happy sucked. So I thought I might as well just go through. Uh, well, here, outside. just so the marketing people can, you can say we used it. There it is. <laughs> Tick the box. Uh, I think you're running out of room for awards there, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to figure, do you even bother, uh, you know, do you even bother, you know, entering? You know, it just becomes sort of that, that's, hey, somebody switched me off, stop my cam again. Um, yeah, you've got to sort of wonder a little bit about it. But uh, anyway, sorry, keep my marketing people happy, as we say. All right. Indeed. Yeah, <laughs> look, comp competitions, uh, they're, they're an interesting thing. Uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, there's so many competitions, as, as we know, but there's certain competitions which carry a lot more weight than other competitions. And uh, when you pick up something with those guys, yeah, it makes you feel pretty good. And Cam, you would know that, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Look, competitions are, um, you know, a really important role. And, uh, you know, it is, it's, it's very good. It's a beautiful feeling to be going, you know, I've put my stuff up and, and judges have tasted it blind and, you know, it's come back with, with medals, really. That's the, that's what you want to be looking for as a distiller. Yeah. And one, one of the great things too is, and I, I talk to people about this when I talk about, you know, what's going on in, in Australia with craft spirits is Australia is punching above its weight on the world stage. In, in all categories, in, in, in gin, in whiskey, and in, in all categories, really. What's your take on it, Cam? What, you, you've been around for quite some time. You've, you've seen changes. What, what do you think's happening as far as Australia and how it's perceived globally? Yeah, look, we um, I guess incorporated 2004, uh, did our first distillation, my first distillation Christmas Eve 2005, you know, so been at the game for a while. Um, 16 odd years of research before I embarked on, on anything. So I've, I've observed and watched and, uh, you know, learned a lot about history. Certainly, I think there's there's growing recognition, you know, that Australian distillers are uh, producing, you know, phenomenal quality. But Australia's always known for having, you know, phenomenal food uh, and beverage. <clears throat> so from that point of view, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I need a whiskey with this. It's still working time over here, you know, in, in mm -hmm. WA, which stands for wait a while. If you want to come here, you got to wait a while, you know. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah, look, it's, it's been um, a, a really interesting thing now, is, I guess, is there's more critical mass to the industry and there's more people out there. It's not just that you've got, you know, the four or five of us that there used to be uh, yeah. all going, you know, look at us, we're winning awards. You've now got, you know, literally hundreds of distillers across the country going, you know, Australia stands out on the global stage. Yeah, well, the last count we're winning was... awards. Sorry, what was that, Todd? And look at us, we're winning awards. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. absolutely. Well, the last the last count that I heard was there was what four hundred distilleries in Australia, and I and I think that figure is out of date already. It's 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 just every week there's there's a new one uh, popping up, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I'm just going to give you my um, dark night for a sec while I just get myself slightly, you know, 
scratch the crotch and grab a seat and do all that sort of thing. One second. Don't <laughs> worry, I'm going to pull the roller door down. I'm getting munched by mosquitoes. I'll be back in a second. Sure. Fantastic. Oh, and here we are. So professional as <laughs> always. What, I was about to say, what, what was he saying about a level of uh, professionalism? Yeah. I don't know. So, oh, in so the we'll just, meantime, we'll, we'll, we'll just talk amongst ourselves. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I am here, John. I'm, I'm, I'm just having what a What we haven't done is said what we're yeah, drinking. What are, what are we drinking? All right, well, I'm going to start. So I'm on the, the Pechuga. Awesome. Uh, Great from drop. Black Snake. Uh, tonight I'm trying it on just on ice, and it yep. is lovely. It's such yep. a good summer drink. And mm -hmm. um, I really wanted to feed it, well, give, it, give one of my friends a try of it. But then I remembered they're vegan. And uh -oh. um, it's not vegan friendly. Got, got, got a bit of kangaroo in there. Yeah, um, really I could have been cruel and told them after they enjoyed it. Uh, but instead, I just explained it to them. And, but that's get, get your face around some black snake, the pachuga. If there's any left, I'm not sure whether Rosemary is willing to let it go. Uh, she may just hoard it all for herself. What are you up it's to? What are you on, Todd? So I am drinking, where is it? The old Snowy Nine Mountains Mountain. Spirit. This is the this is the Apera cask. Um, oh. Something a bit different. Very Rosemary nice. Watching. I, didn't, I didn't notice that. <laughs> is there any left, Rosemary? <laughs> Thanks, Hope. <laughs> All right. What are, Sorry, you drinking, what are you drinking, Cam? Uh, look, the Black Snake guys, I want to give a nod to them. I follow them on social media and had a bit of a chat only only via that channel. Um, but, yeah, doing some really interesting stuff, you know, so uh, I'm oh, keen, yes. keen to try that, Luke. Uh, look, at the moment I'm having a Jugite, um, just doing some quality control. Of course, it's only 5 o'clock over here. I'm then going to, because I think <laughs> you're shooting the shit takes a little while, Crafty. Probably going to have a, um, oh, we'll get up to the camera, well, a Tiger Snake since that's uh, where I've been working today. Um, and then I suspect I might even manage to do a bottle kill for uh, get the cask in there four twenty nine. Um, some darkest winter, so darkest some nice winter. peaty. Ooh. Yeah, peaty whiskey. I've got to got to push the push the. No, no, I'm just making sure my palate stays <laughs> tuned, of course. Oh, look! All in the name of research and quality control, really. Yeah, you would yeah. be you'd be shirking your duties if you didn't. <laughs> Partake really. Uh, uh, look, we've got you know we've got ten, twelve year old whiskies and stuff in our blends. You know, like it's um, when I say blends, uh, a, a married batch. You know, for mm. our, anything that's forty three and you know, um, cast strengths are still single casks. But at some stage, you know, we're going to have to probably make larger uh, batches of cast strength whiskies. So we'll be you know creating marriages of several casks to do that. Um, but yeah, it's it's been you know coming back to I guess that point of you know where Australia's at. There was nobody doing agave in the early days, and I've been longing to do it and having chats with people up in the the Kimberley about it. Uh, but you know, Black Snake, good to see them out doing some stuff. Um, how about you, Crafty? What are you drinking, mate? So I'm drinking um, uh, Sunny Hill uh, first release single malt whiskey. So uh -huh. in uh, South Australia, so Sam, which I'm so keen to try. Well, sorry, it's all gone. Ah. <laughs> yeah, there's not much to try on that one. We we'll have to yeah, buy a bottle. Long gone. So uh, yeah, so Sam in in, um, in South Australia, we had him on shooting the shit uh, 
oh, a couple of months ago, and that, that was a pretty good session. So he kindly sent a sample. We swapped, uh, I swapped some of uh, my latest release, and uh, yeah, which I love doing. And as I think a lot of us do, just you know, swapping little samples and oh, and crafting, mate. Love it. I just received yours last week, and uh, I was. It's funny. We we've been over this COVID and Christmas period, it's it's a weird world, as we know, the last couple of years. But oh, yeah. I had to shut, shut production for two weeks and um, get my Albany distilling crew uh, to go, sorry, guys, you're back in working in Celador. We're closed for, you know, two weeks because we just, we were, yeah, anyway, <laughs> way crazy times. Um, yeah. And yours arrived. So I was at the bar. This little package from Crafty arrives, you know, which is that 100 mil, just beautiful, lovely, rich chocolate notes, mate, nice and creamy. And, yeah, it was uh, – so the two guys were there with me. I was like, hey, here's something to pep you up, keep you going for the day because we were getting slaughtered, of course. But, um, yeah, it's good. It's nice receiving those gifts. Ah, oh, yeah, it is, mate. So what else I'm drinking? I'm drinking mm. – so Nick Hope in Dusty Barrel is playing around with rice. So this is his rice spirit. So I'm going to have a, a wee taste of that a bit later on. I'm going to also go on the sweeter side. Uh, I'm going to be drinking a bit of this limoncello from uh, New South Wales. And these guys, uh, Maria River Distillery. And the limoncello is very interesting because it's got a bit of a piff to it, which from what I understand with limoncello, you don't want piff, but it's adding some really interesting structure to it. So I'm really, really enjoying this. And... We're distilling honey this this uh, weekend. It's my playtime distilling honey. Um, I've got my mead mate who's he's just gone to bed right now, but um, he him and I are we're seasoning some barrels with honey, and then we're distilling some mead. So of course we're going to be drinking a bit of this as well. Oh, good man, good to see. <laughs> That's beautiful. All right, guys, let's talk. Cam, you've got. Probably one of the more complex operations in Australia as far as distilleries and setups. So can you unwrap it for us and explain it in plain English what the, the different uh, distilleries are doing and what your plans are? Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, <clears throat> I call it one family, three distilleries. So I've got three distilleries and two cellar doors about to be a third one. I'm just maybe I'm, you know, somebody said to me I'd have to be crazy to set a distillery up and maybe that's <laughs> Um, so my first distillery, in fact, I started in 150 square metres in a business incubator in Albany, um, and it was tiny. You know, it was I had my two, my 1,800 litre and my 500 litre still in there and my mash tun and was doing everything there, and then I rented another 50 litres, and that was my barrel, uh, 50 square metres was my barrel store. Uh, 2007, we bought um, Frenchman Bay Road in Albany, so right on Princess Royal Harbour. It's like it is, it's, it reminds you of Scotland, you know, it's that, it is that beautiful southern uh, coastline. You know, WA is so different. Down the west coast, you know, people go, it's beautiful. It's, it is, but, you know, come down the south coast in WA and it is uh, just another world. Um, so we opened there 2007, um, first distilling, I guess, 2005. Uh, then um, I'd always, I had a joint venture with a place called The Grove over in Metricup in the early days and we had they were you know selling our product and had some plans to put stills and stuff in there but in the end uh, you know they did their own thing and we set up university right in margaret river so our second distillery there um which is in in town uh and it's right on the edge of margaret river itself um so that's uh, what we call university um and then perongarups came up so 60 k's north of albany so albany is this beautiful 
coastal Mediterranean, you know, very cool, mild, temperate, you know, um, climate. Fucking cold, excuse me. I hope you can bleep that out from a lot of people's point of view. People come here and they go, I tell them, you come, you got to bring beanies, bring jumpers, man, it's cold down here. Um, I did a lot of research, you know, being a, a Scot, <clears throat> the cooler it is, of course, the less evaporates from your barrel, uh, you right. know, Cerebus, Paribus, everything else being equal. So, uh, you know, if I'm 5 to 10 degrees cooler than the rest of WA, uh, consistently, if not 15 degrees, then, you know, long term, that means I've got more, more whiskey in my barrel. But it also should allow the spirit to mature, you know, in a more balanced, less rushed manner was my, my yep. theory. Um, but Perongrups is 60 k's north, so that's uh, Perongrup Mountain Range, which from what I read is the world's oldest uh, mountain range, probably the most remote distillery in the country, right? And I know there's guys in Tassie who are going to be going, no, no. I'm like, mate, you come and check this place out. Um, that's, I've got 30 acres there. Uh, and when did we buy that was Margaret river. We opened in 2000 and I don't know, six years ago, seven years ago. Now we had the first Australian distillers association conference. There was our opening day, you know, at that, at university. Um, so my, I guess my goal in, in general terms, trying not to be complex, but to keep it simple in my own head was to go. I want to create centres of excellence, right, where I can get people to focus on, you know, one or two products because it's a really complex process. You, The digger you deep, the, the deeper you dig, the, the more information, the more knowledge there is you can get and, you know, the, the variances and nuance. Oh, yeah. So, Albany, yeah, Albany is single malt whiskey. University uh, is gin. Uh, and and we do um, some other liqueurs, and we do a I do a it's my look man I experiment everywhere with what I'm doing. We do a whiskey barrel aged sriracha or fermented uh, whiskey barrel fermented sriracha sauce over in Margaret River as well. And anyway, oh, so then I I need to try that. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just as with everything we do, we're scaling up. You know, we're now actually doing I think two. 200 litres and so 100 litres in a barrel because you get allowed to ferment and sit there and yeah, yeah. all that fermentation process. Um, Perongrups, 30 acres. It was a 3,000 square metre winery. Um, bit of a sad story behind it. It had been um, set up as a cooperative with local wine growers in the Perongrup region. And look, one thing I'm, I'm really blessed with in, in WA and why I chose the Southwest was the quality of the produce down here is phenomenal. You know, the, the wines, if you haven't tried and pick up some wines from um, Perongarup and, and from Franklin River, right, they are stunning, you know, down in this part of the, the world. Um, so it had, anyway, it went through, they'd gone broke and I managed to pick it up. Uh, nobody wanted it. It was too big. It's too far away. You know, you'll never fill it. You know, now we've had Perongrups for six years and we've got, you know, three big stills in there. I've got a nine, nine and a half metre tall pot still that came from a South Australian winery, you know, um, that I managed to rescue. And as a story is everywhere, as you know, Crafty. Um, so, you know, Perongrups, if, if you look like, is my engine room, right? It's not open to the public. Yeah. Uh, I, I can swear on this and you can bleep it out if you want, can't we? Luke, I'm, I know. We, yeah. we've, we've had uh, Alex on the, on the program and we lost count. I spend most of my time out in Prongrups because it is isolated. It's only half an hour out of Albany, but it's, you know, 60 odd Ks. It is remote. I don't get annoyed and disturbed. It's my experiment. I got so much stuff happening out there. I've got 600 litre 
um, yeast uh, propagation vessels. I got um, uh, yeah, anyway. I got fermentation vessels that I'm trying to get up my rum to 22% uh, ABV and and you know actually keep it as a biodigester. Um, you know, anyway, there's a, a, all these good things that I've got going on. So Perongrups' experiment, so that's, uh, maybe it is too complex. It's th- one family, three distilleries, each one a centre of excellence, right. uh, and cellar doors in Albany and Margaret River. Margaret River's got accommodation. Um, somewhere along the line, we managed to pick up some accommodation, and now we just bought a winery in the Swan Valley, um, which we're not going to operate as a winery. It'll be a cellar door uh, in the Swan Valley just for Giniversity and Lime Burners and Tiger Snake and so, you know, the mm. one family, three distilleries thing. Is that, is that... Um, uh, so it really begs the question, <laughs> um, which one's your favourite? I need, I need a drink. Oh, which one's my favourite? <laughs> That's like asking me which one of my children is my favourite. Like you've always got favorites. a favourite child. No. Which is the this one? <laughs> which, um, which is the one that gives you the most shits? Which is the one that keeps asking for money? Like, that's yeah. like kids, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, they all do that. I was funny. I had, I did this, um, there's some friends of mine, guys called Mammoth uh, Drinks, who were, you know, supporting Australian craft distillers, did a gin advent calendar. And anyway, one of them goes, Oh, somebody, I, and I forget the gin, I should give them acknowledgement that they were using the Christmas tree and we were using the um, sandalwood, which is um, what is it, a hemi parasitic. And he's going a little bit like your, you know, kids when they're in their twenties, really. You know, so it's like, yeah, it's sort of. But um, we digress. We don't, which is my favourite? Look, Perongrups has the most potential. You know, I've got a thousand square metre barrel store there. We're about to build another thousand square metre barrel store. It is the engine room. Lime burners, I guess, is where my heart is. You know, like that's yeah. my that's my that's first. You know, it yeah. is. You know, and that's that's still you know where my passion absolutely is. It's, it's everywhere. You know, university's got its own vibe and its own. Um, you know, pursuit the people over there. You know the 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 way the crew have adopted our pursuit of excellence, and let's do everything the best we can. You know, there's something to love about every site, right? It really there is. Is there much? Um, it's a wanky term, but is there much cross fertilization across <laughs> all the different sites? Oh, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Look, we've got um, 55 staff, uh, which you know is nuts because I started this in my business incubator just with me yeah. uh, and you know now it's um but our production crew is actually you know very small um margaret river the entire production distilling production uh packaging because we do all of our packaging in margaret river no packaging is now done in albany we we centralized everything over to mark send it there and we so we're just putting in a crazy volume uh, bottling plant over there to handle everything. There's three guys in Marks. Uh, Albany's got uh, two about to bring on a third, third guy there, and Perongarups has got two of us. So, you know, our production crew is, is actually probably eight eight people, nine yes. people um, out of the 55. Everybody else is, you know, there's marketing and administration and more marketing and lots of, you know, front of house stuff. You know, our, our cellar doors go nuts, mate. We, we have, you know, 200 odd thousand, 120 odd thousand or something people a year through our cellar doors. So, um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a nice journey, but it's also been crazy. It doesn't hey, sound like it's letting up at, at all either. Um, well, I mean, that's the question at the moment, isn't it? You know, like I, I got asked recently, um, you know, obviously I come to it, I had 10 years as an accountant and uh, 20 years as a lawyer. 
uh, and 16 years of research and now 18 years of, of operating distilleries. But, you know, I think I've got all the infrastructure I need now to tick it through. I yeah. mean, if that, that said, my wife, look, I've got to say, support 101. Mate, I was a, a lawyer for a multinational oil and gas company going, you know, I want to do something different. Let's go to the country and, and you know, make whiskey. And she goes, yeah, let's go. And then I was like, right, let's, we haven't paid off the first distillery. Let's buy the second one. And she was like, yeah, okay, no worries. And then I was like, oh, this, this big place has come up, you know, like it's mammoth industrial place. You know, I'd like you to come and look at it. And she goes, ah, oh, well, this tiger snake crossed my path. I know you want to do tiger snake. Yeah, there's a bit of an omen. I think you should get that too. So, you know, look, the support I've had, because um, we hadn't paid off the first, we still haven't paid them off. In fact, that's, you know, it's anybody who's looking at, at if we're shooting the shit, you know, look, my experience, and sure, you know, I've grown and um, <clears throat> I've got a 50-year plan, so I'm not, I'm not looking to make money, you know, within 20 or 30 years, really. Um, so anybody who's looking at this and going, uh, I'm going to set up a distillery and make bucket loads of money, I'd be going, you're the guy that needs to go and have your head read. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, there's a lot more costs than you ever expect. A lot more costs. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's the old rule of thumb. It costs three times as much and takes twice as long or the other way around or something, you know, so, you know, the thing that I say to people also is, you know, um, cause they come into my shed, right. Uh, and they go, Oh, you know, we're looking at opening a distillery. And I say, well, have you got a couple of million in your back pocket? And they go, no. And I go, well, that's what you need as a starting point, you know, in this day and age. And they go, but you started with the smell of an oily rag. And I go, yeah. And I'm probably the last of the smell of the oily rag distilleries. They don't exist anymore. And the it's not just building a distillery. It's feeding the beast, isn't it, Cam? It is. Absolutely, mate. You've got to feed it. You've got to yep. feed it and, and you can't let up. And it doesn't matter if your sales are down or whatever. You cannot let up. You've got to feed the beast because you're making decisions yep. that you're not going to get a return on them in years. Oh, decades, mate. Decades. You've got to be thinking decades in this industry. Anybody who thinks they're going to get a return in in short of decades, you yeah. know, what you will see is some pump and dump. I'm just um, helping myself to a little oh, hold on, libation of some tiger snake whiskey. Pope um, <laughs> song. Hey, folk song written about this one in America, by the way, um, just for Australian whiskey making a folk song in the US. Like I had a huge chuckle about that because I'm like, mate, Australia's always, you know, copying and imitating stuff from 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 the US. Here it is there, you know, picking up our craft whiskey and, and taking it oh, to nice. the culture. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, um, yeah, look, I, I think it's been a great journey, but you've got to have a passion for it. You know, I, I, for me, it's the same with, you know, whether you're chefs or, or uh, production staff, you can be qualified, but if you don't have passion, mm. there's no mm. point being there. You know, yeah. that passion is the most fundamental thing that you can have. Um, and, and to bootstrap it, you know, I think people could still bootstrap crafty, like you, you know, smell of an oily rag. I mean, that's what that's what mine was. But but I remember Bill Lark said to me, he goes, you know, when I had good chats with him first, you can set it up very expensive, or you can set it up, you know, lean and clever but you've got to be smart and put a lot of time and effort into what you're doing and, and what your equipment's going to be and how it's all going to work. Um, mm. What were you saying, Crafty? Millions, you reckon, to set one up? Yeah, I, I, that's what I say to people now. I say a couple of million. Honestly, it, it it depends. I mean, people, a lot of people have aspirations that they're going to build a distillery with brand spanking new equipment and you know, a, a big still and, and 
all the other infrastructure and you go start totaling that up. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of dollars behind it. Mm. Mm, of course, yeah, it depends what you what you what you're going for. Um, obviously, whiskey investment is more than than say a gin investment to, to start with because you get that you, know, you can you can basically sell it straight away, so you can um, yeah supports the business. Whiskey, whiskey is a longer term game for sure, and yep. rum and brandy. Yeah, any brown yeah, fruit. any of the bra- any of the, the brown age spirits. Well, even if you want to cask you know, age and we're resting, you know, gin for a year to a couple of years now. Um, you know, so I think anything where you want to be taking that time and, uh, you know, let it do, that's going to be it. I think we'll see some, you know, probably some brands in that gin space because you can get to market faster. Um, yeah. You know, but I, I got asked, would I do it again? You know, and, and 20 years, or almost 20 years in, 18 years in. Um, yeah, look, I probably would if I started then. I wouldn't be doing it again if I started now. Because I think crafty, as you say, you know, it was hard. I was pushing shit uphill, trying to get product acknowledged and dealt with and all that sort of thing. But um, now I think to do it, you know, the, the national distributors, for example, take a much harder approach now than what they used to. And, you know, so it's a much more complex business to even try and dip your toes into. Yeah. Mm. And that leads into the question from uh, Chris Bird here. Uh, How much of an issue is the actual transport and distribution of your goods? And in particular from uh, from West Coast to East Coast? Um, Yeah. Um, Okay, that's a great question, Christopher. Thank you for that. Look, transport costs are nuts. And at the moment, I just had a conversation this morning around pricing. We've got to go for a price increase. Uh, Look, some of the big companies, and I think this actually is an ACCC issue, but they're telling us that we're not going to be allowed to increase prices for 18 months on new products we pitch to them, which is, I can sort of understand, but at the same time, it's like, really? Um, Shipping costs at the moment, you know, look, stuff coming from bottles. I'm very lucky. I've got a chief operating officer, a bloke I went to high school with, who's got passion and, you know, loves his product too. And probably 18 months ago, he said, Cameron, logistics globally are going to go nuts, mate. We're going to start holding more inventory. Is that right? I was like, yeah, okay, let's do that. Well, even talking to Bunnings, you know, for us, we used to spend four and a half to five grand to get a pallet in, uh, sorry, pallet, hey, we, <laughs> that's about what it is now. No, no, we used to, to get a shipping, shipping container in the country. Um, we're now getting quoted, we just got quotes 20 grand. Yeah. You know, I bring I bring shipping containers of barrels from America two to three times a year, 40 footers, uh, and that cost has gone up four, five. We are, you know, we're over 20 grand in transport. I spoke to another distiller who didn't have the foresight to have some of the inventory we have, who's actually uh, air freighting in pallets of glass, uh, you know, from Europe. Yeah. Just, and that's what you have to do. So they, the logistics are nuts. Consumers, you know, we're, we're looking at having to absorb price increases at the moment because I don't think consumers are aware of all of it. We're going to put it up but not, you know, put our pricing up. Obviously, we're not discussing that from a business point of view. Um, but you know, it is, it, it is really tough. The global, and I think it'll be two years, maybe 18 months to two years before global logistics sort themselves out mm. and mm. you get more reliable. So any distillers out there, I'll be going, put more money into inventory at the moment, you know, would be my suggestion for business risk. But, uh, yeah, so that's enough. Um, getting product over East is always tough. That's why we now bottle exclusively in Margaret river. Um, we uh, transport costs, both the carbon you know, CO2, carbon miles type of thing was too extra distance to Albany. Uh, and look, with the Swan Valley, you know, 
we're not committed to doing anything there at the moment. But, you know, again, we might be able to in, in you know, three to five years be looking at going, well, you know, we could actually cut carbon costs and other costs for transport by dealing with everything in a metro city, just ship our, our spirit to Perth and, and you know, handle all uh, packaging and distribution from there. Um, the East Coast is a nightmare. It's really hard dealing with the big guys uh, who the gorillas remain remain nameless. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's only a couple. Um, they're big gorillas. They leave bruises. Um, <laughs> uh, look, you got to go into dealing with them, I think, with your eyes open. Uh, and, and it's hard. You know, like, look, we are super remote. I mean, Kaylin and Karanara, Karanara at the Hootry, yeah, guys, you are actually more remote than us. So I, I'm not that one by a couple of thousand kilometres. Um, but, you know, they'll say to us, we give you an order on Monday. Hey, Andrew Young. Um uh, we they'll get an order on to us on Monday, and, and we're meant to have it in Melbourne by Thursday. And it's like, uh, yeah, mate, no worries. Like, <laughs> you know, we order it, the transport, pick it up today, then it goes to Perth, then from Perth to Melbourne these days. Who knows? And from Melbourne to you, and then you want us to meet a one-hour time window of delivery. So yeah. those logistics, you know, you're crafty. You get the anybody who's heading into that that wholesale element, um, you know, you, you've got to then employ people and increase, you know, I've got logistics people and stuff to deal with that because I don't need the headache. I want to make good whiskey and good gin and good spirits, you know. Um, so it gets more complex. Um, so that, I, th I hope that answers that question before around, um, yeah, logistics and, mm. and mm. getting stuff over east. Yeah. Yeah. Come, come back to pricing because that, that, that's an interesting comment. Um, I mean, there's, there's murmurs on social media. I've seen a couple of people post and a, and a couple of articles saying that global demand for scotch is going through the roof. And logistically, it's hard to supply scotch. And there's talk of uh, within a year, uh, with two years, double, three times the price um, of scotch is going to be out there in the marketplace. That's going to have a very interesting impact in Australia, if all mm. of a sudden Scotch starts to become incredibly more expensive. Don't you and, think? and we already paid the Australia tax on almost everything. So. Yeah, look, I think that's a um, that's an interesting point. The Australia tax, you know, we, we pay a remote tax, you know, um, I think extra transport costs, you know, for that, that's hard for us to compete from somebody who's based in Melbourne or Sydney CBD, you know, for them to get a product to their... Uh, to the DCs or the big distributors, you know, that's a, a local delivery. You do it yourself, you know. Um, mm. yeah, whereas for us, there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars of extra cost and, and logistics. Mm. And, and, of course, if you don't meet your one-hour window, you're booted back, so you charge more and all that sort of thing, let alone give them a pallet that's not, you know, 100% right. <laughs> right, then you've got a real problem. Um, so, yeah, look, the, there's the tips for new players, I guess, is um, it's a complex minefield. And I just like setting up a distillery. Start small, take it yeah. small, you know, do small mistakes. You know, don't make don't make massive. I wouldn't come in and go, I'm going to put $3 bucks into this because I've – my accounting background and, I guess, my commercial law stuff, I got asked – probably two years after oops some magpies sorry my local they're coming in they'll come in for a feed shortly um uh you know i got asked 16 years ago look what did i foresee and, and at this stage we were whiskey distillery number five and i think i was aware of a sixth one you know in the country and i said look i think there will be you know i actually didn't say hundreds i said I, there will be tens and tens and tens more distilleries that will open up yeah. um then i think there will be a lot of price pressure and um 
what you call more of a spot market. You know what I mean? At the moment, there's lime burners and there's crafty and there's, you know, lark and there's there's brands that then are identifiable. But then when people start to go, we've got a homogenised, you know, product of Australian whiskey, there's going yeah. to be significant, you know, liquidity and price pressure for people. A lot yeah. of distilleries will go broke and that's the uh, unfortunate, sad reality of it. You know, I think there's a lot of people who don't actually understand the technical, you know, there's this reason why big global companies do this with, you know, seriously paid people in, in technical areas um, because of the economics of it are tough, you know, at a small scale, it's really hard. You know, if I just had Albany, if I just had lime burners, which is, you know, pumping and going great, the economics would be, you know, my children would be cursing me. You know, it's only because I've actually been able to go, I can get some economy of scale and, you know, produce to that. Um, that it becomes a bit, uh, you know, I guess a, a bit more feasible. I think, you know, Crafty on the other end, you know, you've got, uh, you know, a brand which is you and it is Crafty and, you know, you'll love that and you'll do, you know, really well and comfortably out of it. But it's a it's a higher level of personal investment, you know, that you've got in, in craft works, I guess, perhaps than I do in, you know, I mean, I'm there, but Lime Burners, Tiger Snake University, I'm trying to push the brands, I guess, yeah. independently. Yeah, no, no, I get that. We um, we asked Bill um, when he was on in December, um, what would you do differently? And it, I was quite surprised by his comments. He, he said, you know, I think I'd just have a, a very small distillery. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I could make a, a comfortable living just just focusing on retail and customers and that and, and, and do the wholesale that I need to do. But yep. He he was he was talking about going back to smaller, small, and keep it small, keep the cost small, and keep it personal, yep. which I I found fascinating because Bill's mm. gone and done the whole arc. So it's it's it, it was yeah it was an interesting comment for sure. Yeah, look, I got asked recently, you know, uh, would I sell if somebody came? And we've had three global companies come knocking on the door. Yeah. Yeah, we had um, a CEO from Europe uh, fly in on a private jet to Margaret River and arrive unannounced, which I thought was just the height of rudeness. Um, <laughs> uh, we had another another gentleman in Australian distilling uh, land who came and told me that I would definitely need money and he would be there and happy to underwrite equity and was quite rude about the whole thing. And I said, mate, have you done any research and know who I am? Like what I've done? He's like, nope. <laughs> I got a law firm with eleven people, mate. I got cash cow. I do not need money. Um, so look, for me um, now, I've of course retired two years ago as a lawyer. Best thing I ever did. Um, I got asked, you know, if somebody came and offered some money, and I was like, well, it'd have to be a crazy amount. Uh, and you know, big companies may not do that because they're not going to make silly decisions. And then I said, well, look, even if it is an offer, I'm then going to pay a lot of tax, right? There's no, I'm going to be paying a lot of tax. Yeah. Then I'm also going to be working for somebody else because they're going to say, Cameron, you got to stay on as a manager and work for yep. this for, you know. So I'm going to be reporting to somebody else as my boss. I'm yep. going to have no ability to actually influence the decisions within the company. Not that I have with 55 people, I've got to say, I don't actually have much. <laughs> I can control the quality of my products. But even that, mate, there's a lot of shit that happens that i got no control over in my company. Anyway, so that's the, the, the issues of being a CEO. Um, so, you know... I, I would then be answering with no ability to actually really influence things. And I think I would lose the enjoyment, you know? So at the moment, um, look, I'm, I'm able to, 
uh, make enough money to be putting back into the business to reward my staff, you know, well, keep people for the long term and, and you know, keep them all happy. Um, yep. I don't need stupid amounts of cash. I'm, I'm still loving, mate, I'm down there in my effluent pond stinking up today in my waders, putting in lime slurry and, you know, like I've got a yeast factory at the front and I've got a bacteria factory out the back, you know. <laughs> so, so, you know, um, I guess I'm a bit like you, Crafty. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing. I think I'm at that stage where I don't – look, my goals, and I, and I put this out there, okay, I've said I'd like to be doing $100 million as a company, you know, in terms of that's where we'd want to be. And yeah. ideally my valuation I'd like to have at a billion dollars. Okay, so, yeah, it sounds like a lot, but a billion's only a 1,000 million. You know, it's not, <laughs> not crazy. <laughs> Um, oh, mate, I had this. I learned this years ago when I was negotiating. I was like, it's not a lot. But, you know, look, by the time that you start, you know, so we're, we're adding over, you know, 1,500 barrels a year to our barrel store. And those people who are distillers, you'll, you'll know what a barrel of whiskey is worth. You know, it doesn't take long to be having a, a colossal value. Um, yeah. You know, that's one of the other tips for, you know, where does most of your cash go? Insurance. Um, anyway, oh, yeah. leave, leave that aside. <laughs> um, flammable products, I guess. But anyway, um, so, yeah, look, it's it's for me, it's a long-term burn. I've always had a 50-year aim. I'm hoping that my kids will want to take over. They, they may not, and I, and I might, you know, then have to be faced with some different decision. But, but my decision is a 50-year plan, mate, where this is a family trust, we roll this on and, and my kids, because our business now has everything from science, you know, in, in biological science to, to from, you know, distilling to hard chemistry, engineering, marketing, uh, commerce, accounting, HR, you know. So I'm saying to my kids, look, whatever you want to do, like my whole thing about I love what I do, I want to have fun at work. As long as it's like that, mate, I'm happy rolling up every – I don't work a day in my life and I work seven days a week. Mm. That's really mm. cool. Living the dream. Yeah. Todd, 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 That's Todd why I'm going say. grey, mate. Hey. Todd, Todd, 30. Todd, what are you talking about? Look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Todd keeps saying to me, can I have a job? Can, can I get a salary? And I go, mate, I don't get paid. So, yeah. Mate, I still no, don't get paid. We need like, to work on you getting paid first. I still don't get paid, mate. Everybody else gets paid. No, no. Everybody else gets paid. Um, no, look, I, and I guess you do. I mean, effectively, I don't work. Look, we we just recently had a change of some, you know, production staff, and I, you know, said to one guy, mate, I'm not happy with what's how this has been done. You've got to change this back to how it should be done. And, you know, I said to him, this is my living. Like, this is my living. Yeah, so the next day he came in on my livelihood, and he goes, when you said it was your livelihood, I just thought, no, I don't have the passion for this. I don't, I don't see it as my livelihood. And I think that's like you, Crafty. It, it, it becomes everything that you're about for life, really. You know, yeah. do, do I regret well, it? No, it's lots of fun. It's the way I explain it to people. Um, Craftworks for me is my platform of expression. It, it mm. enables me to do so many different things. Now, Todd came up with a, a phrase, which was no, it wasn't Todd, it was Todd's wife, Kathy. And it was uh, less yap yap, more tap tap. So, <laughs> Is that about you, Crafty? You get working. You oh, yes. <laughs> you go, go to a market with Crafty, there's a lot of talking. <laughs> so, anywhere with Crafty, there's a lot of talking. 
Yeah, but yeah. every now and then, Todd pulls it out just just out of the blue in conversation. I'll be talking about Sonny, and he'll just look at me and go, "Bless yap yap." More tap tap. More tap tap, <laughs> mate. Look, absolutely. I think that's the other key thing about distilling too. Is you know, look, while sitting watching a still go through a run is very uh, relaxing. Whatever. Ooh. It's not the efficient way to operate a distillery. Mate, you have no, got to be so busy. You've got to be multitasking, multi-skilled, absolutely yeah. on the ball, attention to detail as well as big picture. You know, so that, um, yeah, that tap tap. Um, yeah, how do I explain it? Let's put a rocket up your ass. Get out of second gear. I don't know. <laughs> so no, no, no. <laughs> All of, so, listen no, to I'm Cam. Even... All of those things. All oh, of those things. things. Nate, I have been down adjusting the pH in an effluent pond until 8.30 yeah. at night the last two nights. I had uh, salad. It was actually really good. It was safe because Margaret River for us, you know, it's a it's a busy place. And um, anyway, I've been at the Celador in Albany, which I haven't done Celador work for eight years. Like I still go to festivals and I do all that sort of, but, you know, I've got staff who do Celador and it is, yeah. it's, it's good positive energy. I love it. Um, we normally have nine to 11 people on. Uh, we had six people rostered on, uh, four people were sick. So there was two of us, uh, to do what 11 people ordinarily should have done. And we actually set a bit of a record with some, there was no bad customer, <laughs> bad, actually there might've been a bad service review that day. They didn't give us much service. I'm like, fuck, give us a break, mate. Um, so yeah, it was, oh, I tell you, uh, dear. so it was good for me to be able to go to staff, you know, and I think, you know, anybody who sets up a distillery and, and does that inevitable thing of then employing people to work, you know, as my dad said to me years ago, he said, Cameron, some people think when you're the boss, get to take it easy, do less work. He said, mate, when you're the boss, you are the hardest worker in the whole business. And I'm like, yep, okay. So, you know, that that I think crafty is, that's the tap tap in the distillery, mate. We're all tap tap, tap tap crafty. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of tap tap, we have a segment, which oh, is fantastic. What is it called, Luke? Can't wait. Well, Hello, Luke. Why, why don't I just... Uh... And now... It's time for Throw the Todd the under, under the bus. Too much time on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we lost I spent all day oh, on there that. There you go. You're scared Cam away now. <laughs> <laughs> He's growing up. No, no, I'm, here, I'm, here. I'm just doing my, I'm doing my subliminal. My subliminal marketing messages, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't you didn't see that little video, did you? That was just... I did see it. I mean, I was sitting there. Yeah. I see it. I'm just, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm a couple of whiskeys and craft. That is the oh, first, first time Todd's seen it. So now, yep. Todd, you've just been thrown under the bus and yep. go. Go. All right. So, Cam, thinking back to um, when you first started, What's oh, the shit, one on, thing this that... is about me. Todd, yeah, this is yeah, me yeah. No, that's it, that's okay. it. I get thrown oh, under the bus, bus to, to off-the-cuff right. ask a really good question, which okay, sometimes sorry, works, Todd, sometimes okay, doesn't. Yep. So thinking back to the start of your career yep. in, in distilling, what's the one thing you wish someone really told you before you started? Uh, in fact, the one thing... I actually told myself, which I pass on to so many people, 
is do not dilute equity. Yeah, okay. Right. Interesting. Do not dilute equity. Um, and look, if I look at what's been the key to success, obviously there's a bucket load of them, but, you know, the number one, I put my house on the line, right? From day one, when I went to the bank going, this is my crazy idea and I'm doing it. And they were like, well, are you going to put your house up as security? I was like, sure, no worries. <laughs> like my wife was <laughs> You know, um, and, and look, I've met lots of entrepreneurs, you know, and I've, I've sat on stuff and people so reluctant. I'm not putting my house up. Look, this year, my bank finally agreed to give my house back, right? My, my family house is no longer caught up. If the business fails, the family house is left alone. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. So underwrite your investments with real estate, of course, because that's what banks like. But if you you got to put that stuff up, I think, to, to get that back. Once you dilute equity, um, so, you know, if you sell a percentage, sweat equity is so undervalued, right? And you are going to have the passion and the, you know, crafty, your whiskey is you, mate. It's a, it's a personification of what you put into the brewing, mm -hmm. the fermenting, uh, the distilling, the packaging, you know, it's just like the barrels were you, everything. Yeah. So it's, if you dilute equity, money is, overvalued it's all a hypo everything's a hypothecation right it's all make-believe that shit so money is overvalued and sweat equity the 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 deliverable of what we do to create an artisanal product is undervalued so my big thing and, and probably what's kept me going look i had a guy the, the very day i ordered my stills so back in 2004 uh great mate of mine super wealthy bloke was the managing director of a mining company i worked for at the time he goes to me, Cameron, oh, I love this bloody mate, whiskey shit, mate. I'll give you 100 grand for 20% today. All right? And and obviously that's 20 years ago. And I was like, well, that's more than my stills cost. Obviously, stills are a bucket load more now. But um, I was like, mate, I'm making money from day one. I should take that money. And, and I was like, no, 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 no. What did I say? You know, 10%, 20% of the company now is is a lot different. And the control is the biggest issue, right, Crafty? You decide what you. I decide what I do. Right? I've got, I've got rum. I'm just going to switch back to my dark night while I talk about it. the dark. That's our rum brand. Yeah. Okay? Right. Yeah. So that's our rum brand. Uh, I have three year old rum. In fact, over three years now. It's three years and four months or something. Sitting in barrel, and it tastes fucking beautiful. It's absolutely – we do a, a French Caribbean method of fermentation. We do a um, – it's a two-week to three-week ferment because we have a primary ferment and our secondary ferment with a lactobacillus. So, we, well, in fact, it won't be lacto. We get, it's an old winery. So, you know, we're getting Britannomyces and other stuff, which is really funky flavours, like really yeah. – at the end of the ferment, the wash tastes like Dutch scalded licorice. Right, it's just it's. Phenomenal. So anyway, yeah. rum. But three now. If if somebody was an equity investor, if I was an equity investor in my business, I'd be going, Cameron, what are you doing? Right, like two years, get that shit out. Let's start making money off it. Now I haven't found a bottle. Like I have not found a bottle that I'm happy with for the for the rum. Yeah. And then I start to go. Oh, now I'm going to talk six to nine months of logistics time frame delay to try and get stuff out of Europe. So, you know, hello to Nathan. Um, 
you know, from my point of view, it's uh, yeah that luxury of being able to make the decision of I, I don't care whether the rum comes out as a three, four, or five year old, mate. I am building a rotating drum malting machine that can handle five ton of malt at a time just for my whiskey making. Um, yeah, I've got some fantastic rum. I've got I've got yeah, like 50, 60 barrels of casks of stuff sitting there, and it is delightful. But it's not number one priority. You know, being down in my effluent pond, adjusting my pH, that's not one <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. You know how it works, Crafty? Jesus, I've got to keep my neighbours happy. Why would you build a house 300 metres from a bloody winery effluent pond? I tell you. Anyway, that's a whole new story. <laughs> <laughs> but I learn lots about it now. I'm very good. I'm actually, I am actually going to be building some of my, one of my big things, you know, and, and maybe coming back to, you know, what do people tell me? The one thing, Bill Lark, um, you know, look, and I, um, Bill actually rang me one day and he said to me, he said, Cameron, my marketing staff are using this term, the godfather of Australian whiskey. And I said, oh yeah, yeah, that's good. And he goes, you coined that term. I said, yeah, I did, Bill. And he goes, well, I'm telling them you're my number one fan. I said, well, Bill, we're an industry, mate. And in order to be a really successful industry, we're going to need some people who are, you know, the pillars upon which we are built. And Bill Lark, you are one of them. So, you know, that that for me was, and maybe that's, you know, I've always, as an early entrant, gone, the Australian distilling industry is bigger than me, bigger than what I'm doing you know, we can be a global player as an industry. You know, we should be, as we are now, as the ADA, engaging with government on key issues and going, mate, we can be a multi-billion dollar value to the Australian economy. Um, and we can do it with exceptional class and be top of the field, right? That's That comes back to your earlier point, Crafty, about, you know, where's our industry now? So, look, Bill said to me, Cameron you know, spend your money wisely, you know, and and that has been a key thing. Other than that, I was bro- I was no silver spoon person, mate. I was broke ass, and you know, yeah, you're an accountant and a lawyer, and you don't earn a lot of money in those junior ranks in those industries. So mm-hmm. um, you spend your money wisely. You do a lot of hard graft. You do a lot of that tap, tap, crafty. Get back on the yeah. job, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you put a, you put a lot of hours in. Um, but it, it is a great journey. So the big thing I reckon, you know, what I wasn't told that I now know, look, I, okay, so I have told you what I think everybody should know from, you know, my professional background. So the big thing was it would cost a shitload more money than I ever imagined, ever imagined. And, okay, look at the size of the stuff we've got in terms of we have three distilleries, 55 staff, you know, significant volume and export and all sorts. Mm-hmm. But it costs a bucket load more. I, I remember coming home to my wife going, you know, sweetheart, I'm sorry I've paid staff wages on my credit card this week, so I'm glad we've stocked our pantry for a nuclear winter because that's what we're, <laughs> that's what we're living on. <laughs> not a prepper, not a prepper. No, no, no. Um, but, you know, so, so, look, I think, you know, and as you said, Crafty, the cost – of and not just the financial cost, the personal cost, right? You go to yeah. and, and look, I think it's become a bigger issue. And I remember in my early days, you know, one of the tough things for me was to actually go, I'm making Australian whiskey and it's good. 
people who would be craft producers now would be going, hey, I've got Australian whiskey. And most consumers would be going, oh, I'm expecting this to be good. Whereas when I started, people were like, well, this is going to be shit. And I was like, yeah, great. So I got invited. A good friend of mine invited me as a to a whiskey fair. She was running it. Went along and, and it had been great. People loved it. Product spoke for itself. And then one guy came up and he goes, it's the worst whiskey I've ever had. It's shit, mate. And I said, oh, thanks for that. I said, well, have you ever made whiskey? He said, no. I said, oh. Have you ever made whiskey and then sent it off to an international competition? He said, no. I said, oh. And have you ever made whiskey and sent it off to an international competition and got a gold medal? He said, no. I said, well, you can get fucked then. <laughs> <laughs> now, as the owner, I am the only person who could say that, right? <laughs> well, well, that's that's actually better. That's better I than Marty, that Marty, Pie's, Marty Pie's line. So Marty Pie Riverborn, right? Yep. He, he had someone who came to his uh, cellar door, <laughs> uh, no, at a market, right? And he tasted it and he goes, not very good. And Marty just turned around quietly and said, that's all right. There's more for connoisseurs then, isn't there? And the guy <laughs> was just, <"Yeah." laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> I like that one. Good on you, Martin. Look, and, and um, look, pearls of wisdom, Lynn yeah. Lark, and, and both Bill and Lynn have been, you know, and, and I, I consider mentors, right? Um, yeah. I, I rang Lynn and said, Oh, Lynn, I've got my gin, I, I've got my gin recipe settled, I'm ready to go. How do I know whether it's any good? And she goes, hmm, Do you like it, Cameron? I said, Yeah, I do like it. She goes, oh, it's good then. I was like, oh, right. She goes, mate, don't give a shit about that. There are going to be people who love it, people who hate it, as long as you like it. And that's been the key thing for me with every – I will not release a product unless I am happy with it. And it bugs the shit out of some of my staff because I'm like, no, nah, don't like that, don't like that, yes, like that, no. Nah, uh, you know, and so unless I'm happy with it. So, yeah, that that was um, really nice words of words of wisdom from from Lynn in the early days about, uh, you know, if you like it, that is the, the only thing that really matters. And I totally digress because I'm two and a half whiskeys in. I forgot what the question was. I'm not the only one getting that. Who's doing that? Not me. We had this problem once before, didn't we? Oh, no. It's all good. Back again. Oh, that's yeah, good. That was a nice segue out of that question I missed. Yeah. Hey, there's this, there's this thing on ABC I've watched called Drunk Historians. I think that sounds a bit like this shit in the shit thing. <laughs> yeah, completely scripted, not. So yeah, yeah. I've, I've just been drinking uh, Nick Hope's um, uh, rice spirit. It's very, very creamy, very, very interesting. Nick's doing some pretty cool stuff. And Nick raised a good question. I don't think we've we've actually addressed this question, have we? Todd, what was what was uh, Nick's question? It was something about blends in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Where, yep. Where do you see Australian brand blends in the future? Which is a really good question. That's what, for you then, Crafty. Well, that's no, that's for you, mate. That's for you. It's. Can I clarify? Well, is it possible to clarify what do you mean by blend? Good question. Can you um, define blend for me? Yeah, good question. I think the question's coming from Nick is in regards to yeah, oh, blend, blend, oh, grain sorry, and malted barley and, and, and rye. So it's so it's not 
it's basically not barley. It's it's yeah, grains. Yeah, blended mixed mixed grain. Looks mixed like for grain. me a blend. Well, not, so, bat, not battered whiskies. Not battered whiskies. Just true blend. Yeah, a blend. Well, look, I look at a blend to me is not a. So I'd call a mixed grain mash different yep. from a blend. And I'm having this dispute with a couple of international spirit competitions who are trying to tell me that Tiger Snake is a blended whiskey. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's a mixture of grain done in a single batch, mate. A blended whiskey to me, blend refers to the end product, right? A blend is after you have your spirit, you then blend it. That's why it is blended whiskey. Otherwise, you'd be calling it hmm. blended grain. Yeah. It's, it's, it's blend talks to the, the final product. For me, um, I see that there are phenomenal things going on across the same, the, the whole industry. And Nick, if I answer it this way, I've said for 10, 15 years, we're in a golden age of Australian whiskey making, if we're just talking that. There are um, phenomenal things going on with people who are so creative and you might say pushing the boundaries. I think people are nuancing and, and looking for a difference in relation to what their mash bill might be or how they, what, what uh, would you know, they age it in, what their wood policy is, um, you know, or how they marry casts together at the end. You know, there's so much interesting stuff going on. The, the yep. rising prevalence of um, specialty grains, and I'm not going into a deep conversation on that, but, you know, specialty uh, grains <laughs> being used in, in, you know, brewing and distilling, uh, you know, and, and coming more to a fore, I think is very interesting. Um, so, the, look, the future of blended whiskies. If I talk about it literally how I see it, that is then somebody in the secondary market buying barrels of whiskey from distilleries and blending them together to make a whiskey they will sell as a brand. Okay, yeah. now David of Strusker, um, you know, fantastic guy, incredibly knowledgeable and, you know, masters in distilling, big, big distillery, you know, he is trying to produce enough really good quality base material that then people can go hey i want to be a blender i will buy whiskey from different distilleries and a whole heap of different whiskies from david and then yeah. i'm going to create my own unique blend you know that that's more akin to me to most of the gin market where it's a faster turnaround you pay more for the base product and do that so if i'm talking the future of australian blended i see there will be you know like a you know a dewar's black and white you know or yeah. a johnny Walker red you know, there might be somebody who comes out with a, let's call it Great Australian Outback, because that can't be done, you know, um, already been done. But, you know, yeah. somebody might come out and, and go, hey, I'm going to actually create a risky brand. I'm going to buy, you know, a little bit from Crafty and a little bit from Cam and a little bit from Starwood and a little bit from this person and that person. And I'm going to buy a shitload of Manildra. I mean, I didn't say that. I'm going to buy a lot of grain whiskey from somebody else and blend it all together. Because <laughs> um, we, I ferment and produce my own neutral spirit, yeah. except for with gin, which we can come to later. I'm not going to digress into that. Um, we do most of our gin, but we can't meet all of the demand. We source it from another craft distiller. Um, but I still think we're craft. Uh, should I digress? Crafty, too many whiskeys. I'm enjoying this. Where was the question? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, think... <laughs> I hope my kids don't watch this. Don't drink alcohol until you're 25. <laughs> Cam, you don't put age statements on line bonus. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
M9. Oh, okay. First and seconds innings. Uh, Dave Cook. And a big hello to Dave. And if I talk supporters of the Australian whiskey industry, you know, look, we would not be crafting the industry we weren't without, you know, the big supporter base we have. And, you know, Dave Cook's one of them, as there are a number of other people. So, yeah, a big, a big hello to Dave. Um, look, we don't, Dave, we have, I have put age statements on tiger snake drinks <laughs> because I've had 10-year-old, 9-year-old tiger snakes. Um, I didn't for a long time mainly in the early days of them take off my marketing hat and entirely frank because I didn't have a shitload of old product. Um, <laughs> now that I've got 16, 18-year-old whiskey, or well, 16-year-old whiskey as my oldest, um, and I've kept whiskey consistently every year, and we blend, you know, so anyway, we we are now considering from a marketing point of view, do we need to do that? Because, you know, one of a new craft distillery who's producing a two-year-old product is not the same as a 16-year-old whiskey I've got in a barrel, right? They are totally different things. Yeah. Um, the knowledge and finesse of keeping a barrel alive for 16 years, you know, and any whiskey producer will know this, you know, you can get too astringent, over-oaked, you get the wrong barrel, your whiskey's fucked. Um, so, you know, look, we are moving to the point, Dave, of, of considering, you got the seven, yeah, the seven-year-olds, 17. So, yeah, we have had a nine out of 10 um, as well. We've got... Um, we've got 12, 14 year old whiskies in blends, which we don't call it. I'm still, I'm considering doing more of that. So watch this space, uh, maybe to draw a little bit of point of distinction between some of our age product and some of our, you know, on age, unaged product, you know, don't expect our age statement whiskey to be cheaper or the same price as our current stuff. Cause it ain't going to be, I mean, it's going to be exceptional whiskey, but it costs a lot of money to hold it for, you know, 10, 12, 15 20 years um so look we will uh probably move a little bit more into age statements if i come back to it and i think one of the things that we you know any distiller should take heart at and and crafty and i look we had a great trip to america a couple of years ago now crafty <clears throat> um, yep absolutely and and we met this guy you know, Harvey, um, who was an absolute legend of, of world whiskey and, you know, he'd been hard of, part of Jack Rose and this guy was, what, in his 90s and been in the whiskey industry for, you know, 35 or 38 years or something. Yeah? Hold on, 48, started when he was 22. He was ancient, 70 years. And, and I asked him, I said, look, tell me top number three because I'm keep things simple for myself. What are the top three things you've learnt, you know, out of, out of your life in whiskey? And he goes, well, Cameron, a number one would be a young whiskey can be a great whiskey. And I was like, oh. So here was this, you know, after 70-odd years in the industry. So if you make a cracking whiskey, if it is an exceptional ferment, you know, your brewing process has been good, your ferment's happened well, you've distilled it nice and slowly and done it properly, and you've got a cast to interact and age with that, Mate, a two and a two and a half year old whiskey will be. I've won world's best craft whiskey for darkest winter with a two and a half year old whiskey. Mm-hmm. Right, we then put in uh, heavy peat, which was a much older. It was a seven year old whiskey that won the next one of the US craft whiskeys. So, you know, look, a young whiskey can stack up if it's an exceptional whiskey. So I would agree with him on that. Number two uh, was he thought the barreling strengths were too low. I thought that was too interesting. Low. Too low, yeah. This was Harvey's. So when we were in that bar that night, you know, this is yeah, I remember. 
fuck, I shouldn't be talking about this. Oh, I'm giving away intellectual property here, Crafty. No, no. <laughs> it was bespoked by by Harvey in, in in goodwill, and that's the you know I say I share these things with drink with friends around a couple of drinks. Um, look, his view was that they used to barrel whiskey at a much higher ABV. Now, it probably makes sense because in the old days, it would have been the economics with the driver. So you'd want to use as least barrels as you can, right? You'd want little money as you can in wood. So you would have been going, I'm not diluting this down. I'm just putting water into a wood barrel to age for years. I'm going to put it in super high strength and I'll yep. add my water later. So his thing was that he thought, and he, he <clears throat> referred to some particular doctor who I won't mention because I actually have a lot of respect for him. He said, this guy came out going, here's your barreling strength. And he said, the world went, oh, yeah, that's what we've got to do. And he goes, bullshit. In his view, higher ABV. Into, so I'm experimenting. That's all I can say. I don't know, mate. And what we do, Crafty, is one big experiment. It takes decades to find the shit out. So you're, um, you're going up. You're going up. I'm going down. I'm doing both. Are you? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I want to go. I want to go down to fifty-eight. I was sixty-three point sixty-three point five ish, and yep. I'm starting to play around going down. And how, uh, how are you finding that? Oh, it's too early to tell. Far, far too early. No, to it's tell. not. You would be into the casks every week, Crafty. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every week, Crafty. To, to be honest, it started was it started with uh, a batch that was like, oh fuck, I went too far. And like, oh, shit. All right. And then, but I've been doing a lot of research and talking to a lot of people about barreling strengths. And you know, what, what we're chasing is, like you tasted IM2, right? Mm. IM2 is the best we've made yet, but it's not the best that, that we're going to make. It's, no. it's, it's a moment in time. It's a time capsule. <laughs> and Absolutely. the magical has changed quite substantially from, from that point. But I want to take IM2 and dial it back. It's hard to explain. I want to maintain that complexity, but mm -hmm. dial, it, dial it back and get more spirit coming through. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to reduce the cask interaction, but still maintain using the same style of casks. So right. it's, it's going around in my head right now, and, and Todd's looking at me going, fuck, what are we going to do now? <laughs> no, 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 it's all good. It's so I'll, I'll have a talk to you offline about a couple of ideas that I have. I've picked up a few ideas yeah. over, over 36 years of research and experience. Um, yeah, look, uh, to me, um, casks are where I wouldn't say a whiskey's made or, or broken. I actually think it's made or broken in your, your fermenting and your distilling and, and wow. in fact, every yep. single step, right? Right I the agree. way through from yeah, water source. There but, are many who would disagree. There are many who would disagree and say that your ferment doesn't really add much or your brew yeah. doesn't add much to it. What I would say is, and I'm definitely pissed now, uh, mate, I make some cracking whiskeys. What the fuck would I know? Your brewing <laughs> is you fundamentally idiot. important. Yeah. I'm an idiot maybe, right? Um, look, your, your brewing is fundamentally important. Your strike temperature, your rest period. Mm. I know people are going for shorter conversion timeframes, and I'm like, yep, no worries, mate. I am very happy that, you know, some particular timeframes lean to more floral characteristics coming through in your new make spirit, and I can taste that stuff. So, you know, yeah. I can actually tell, you know, I go in and my distillers hate it because I'm like, yeah, right, new make. Thank you. Boom. Quality control. Because I can be going, mm, this is not quite where it should be. So, no, look, I, I 
a barrel is the largest single influence on whiskey for sure, right? Yeah. It is it is the biggest impact. Now that said, I'm looking at old whiskies and creating. Look, I want to have some 30, 50, 60 year old whiskies, right? That's where I'm heading. So for me to actually have a cask that can hold whiskey for that long, there is no way I'd be using brand new oak, right? No, no way I'd be doing that. You know, I would be, be looking for something that people might call a spent cask. You know, where I go, I know that the grain of the wood, and I'll talk to my cooper, you know, I, I want I want a tight grain of wood. I don't want an open, porous, wider grain of wood for this because it's going to allow too much, you know, seepage. I want something more locked up and tighter. So, you know, there is so much, I guess, analysis and, and knowledge that goes into cast selection to make sure that you can have a, a long-aged whiskey. Um, you know, if you want something short and punchy, a lot of people are going for, for tiny, small casks, right? Mm -hmm. My experience is, you know, good in theory, hideously expensive, and doesn't produce any better product than what a 200-litre barrel does in the same time frame, right? Mm -hmm. In the same time frame. Mm. So, you know, if you want to force something in six or 12 months, we can't sell it as whiskey. If you want to force it in 18, it's still not whiskey. Mm. Whereas if you go, I want this to be two to two and a half years, right? a 200 litre or 180 American bourbon barrel is the perfect size barrel for, for creating good quality product uh, within that time frame. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a. Uh, it's tried and true, really, isn't it? So, what was well, our biggest learning? Crafty? Sorry, what was that? What was our biggest learning when, when it came to craft, to barrel sizes? Oh, yeah. A, so a 50-litre barrel and a 100-litre barrel actually take up the same space in a, in a bond store. Yeah. So why, why the hell, why put down a 50-litre barrel when you can put down a 100-litre barrel? Well, a 100-litre barrel costs more than a 200-litre barrel, for starters. And the quality of product in a 200-litre barrel is actually arguably better. It would be look, I, and I'm you know I've tasted product from all sorts of different people in all sorts of formats, and in our own distillery, I would be going like for like barrels over the same time frame. A 200 litre barrel is going to produce a better quality product than a hundred. You're not going to force the whiskey. You're going to have more of the grain, you know, more of the base element. And regardless, even with brandies, the same thing. Great, right? Your, That's your base. That's where it's at. Yeah, just go there. Just go there. Hundred liter. Was that a one liter barrel? <laughs> yeah, we're we're yes. going we're going two two fives, Cam. We're, two we're, two fives. Yeah, yeah, uh, and two hundreds. We're we're definitely moving that direction. Uh, I mean, I've got a. Fantastic. I'm looking at it here. I've got a. Um, happens to be a youngy cask. It's a super cask. It's I got him to do a two two five for me instead of a hundred liter. This yep. thing's only a year old. It is sensational. I would I would put it up as as whiskey. It's it's tasting amazing. So it's giving yep. us the confidence. And we've only been going, oh Jesus, only been distilling for four years um, and laying mm. barrels for six years. So learning, learning all the time. As everyone's, you're learning. This is the cool yeah. thing. This is what's really cool. Learning. Exactly. Yep. And this is what's really cool about Aussie craft distillers shooting the shit. You know, we we talk to. To people like yourself, who are your your seasoned individuals, you you know your shit, and we're talking to people that are just starting in the industry. Yeah. And 
everyone's got a story and everyone's on a journey and it's it's fascinating hearing people's stories and and how they're approaching things and yep. as one of the great things about our Australian craft spirits movement you know it's it's very very collaborative it's very open um it, it's it's a big family and here's hoping you know it continues like that because I love it. Yeah, it's the old Bill Lark adage, you know, rising tide floats all boats. And I think that's so, yep. so, so important. Did oh, a taxi. That was a taxi. Um, I was rushing because <laughs> I'm getting an old bus now. Hi, <laughs> Linton. Um, Hi, Linton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Now, I definitely need a new drink, given that we've just had an accident at the bar. Um, <laughs> can I uh, take a give you a dark night um Segway just for a minute while I duck inside and grab a new glass, Go uh, and then I'll come back and answer that question. Yeah, can, you, can you occupy some space, Crafty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. come on, Crafty. <laughs> all right, okay. More so, yap yap, less tap tap. All right, so so yap yap. So, <laughs> for those for those who haven't um, watched uh, Aussie Crafty Silly shooting the shit or listened to the podcast, and believe me, this is good in podcast format because you don't have to look at our ugly mugs. Um, <laughs> it's fantastic and podcast <laughs> branded up and so um what i was going to say is where this this thing is really starting to take off uh it's really good you know we're getting to shoot the shit with people like cam and and bill you know seasoned professionals in the end of it, in the industry but not just in australia also internationally um and our 2022 lineup uh, we're 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 booked it solid for the year, which is fantastic. Mm. So we think there's some really good content, but a big part of it is also questions. Um, mm. You know, the more questions we get, the more questions people, you know, distillers and and not just distillers. You know, we're going to have craft maltsters on. We've, we've got coopers on. They can answer your questions. So don't feel shy you know just put your questions out there is there is absolutely no no such thing as a dumb question um we all ask dumb questions and that's how we learn that's how we all learn they're often the fun ones too and the fun ones yeah yeah and you, and you get to see you know how we interact you know how we all interact in the industry and and you can see that there's there's a there's a there's there's a core thing going on, you know, there's real energy in, in our industry. Uh, it's an exciting time to be in the industry. We're about probably six to eight years behind what's happening in the US and the US is just going like this. So Australia is just going to keep going. Mm -hmm. So, and just uh, on our uh, our fully booked guest list, yep. uh, so in two weeks' time on the 27th, uh, we yep. have Unicorn Spirit, Uh Ben Osborne. Ben Osborne. Multi-millionaire uh, Ben Osborne. <laughs> in, and then on the third, oh, we're following it up. We're, we're backing it up a week later. There you go. Nice one, Mr. Booker. That's all right. Um, yeah. uh, we've got Windmill Distilling. Linton. Uh, so, Linton. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so then we're heading into, what's that put us into? February. We've got 100 souls. So 100 uh, souls. Yep. On the 17th. Uh, then on the 3rd, we've got Callington Mill. Yes, Callington Mill. John, John Ibrahim and, and Bill Lark are going to be uh, 
guess for that one. So that's that's going to be interesting because the Carlington that's Mill is a very interesting story. Interesting. Mm. Yep. So there's some really good stuff, and all the way through. So we do have quite a. Uh, are they actually called the crazy U.S. Farkers? Yeah. In April. <laughs> no. <laughs> they are now. <laughs> uh, uh, we've got no. some crazy U.S. Farkers. <laughs> actually, change that. Uh, change it no, to. No, Alan... I'm not going to change that. That can stay. Change it to Ellen Bishop. <laughs> Ellen Bishop. That's. So, uh, Spirits of the French Lick in Indiana in the US. So... I've got to create the graphic, and I was going to put that on. So <laughs> He is a crazy US bugger, though, I tell you. He really is. <laughs> anyway, Cam's back on. He's got a drink in his hand. <laughs> so... Right, I've got a question for Cam. This is a serious question. Well, there's there's so... one on the stage. There's one on the screen. Oh, okay. Go to the screen. Go to the screen. What's first? Oh, what's that? That's, That's a live bird of the wall. Oh, is that like a, 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 a whiskey stone? A chilling stone it? thing? Oh, he's fuck mu he's muted himself. That helps. So oh, yeah, yeah. Outside, liquid on the inside, um, branded up. So it was my marketing people's um, suggestion for something to do. So, yeah, I'm... I'm I'm not a big ice person. I do put a lot of water in with my whiskey. As a, lots of people are crafty. You know, you would know. I'm always a let's add more water to that. <laughs> so, um, you know, I like my whiskey to, to go a long way. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I'm I'm trying. But as a lot of probably the biggest thing I think you need, um, regardless of your uh, gender fluidity, you need to have big balls to set up a distillery. Right? It is, <laughs> it is, you need to have. Size, it's how you use them. Metaphorical ones, of course. Um, but yeah, it, look, it is, you know, and I think, you know, fortune favors the bold. If you've got passion for it, if you've got a good palate, you're prepared to develop your palate. It's a skill you can you can develop. Um, mm. You know, there's there's plenty of opportunity. Now, Scotch Down Under, when's our next batch of peated port coming? Yeah, I'd like to know that too. Um, mm. Well, if the uh, release it, maybe it'll come out. <laughs> yeah, look, our, our peated port, we've got a few of them happening. Um uh, we're just reinvigorating and scaling stuff up. So obviously what we're doing and what we have been doing for the last two to three years of larger scale will take a couple of years to flow through. We really don't release product these days, anything, you know, no age statement. It's rarely under five years old by the time it's hitting a bottle with us. Um, so yeah, when's our next batch of Peter Port? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit partial to that cask. I'm not sure I want to let it out. <laughs> it's a staff-only special. No, no, no. Um, yeah, no, no. Uh, there will be one out very soon. Watch this space. We've uh, I've got a couple in the pipeline that aren't far away. Yeah, cool. Awesome. That's All right, great. now my question. So, yep. uh, single malt whiskey. There's mm -hmm. a premiumization with single malt whiskey, right? Mm -hmm. And... So, the, the, so we play in 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 uh, single malt whiskey, but we also play in, in in whiskey. What I think is, in my mind, that's occurring in single malt whiskey is the premiumization of single malt whiskey is not necessarily there like it used to be. You can have just whiskey, which is still commanding the same level of premiumization as Scotch. Oh, sorry, as single malt whiskey. Single malt. Yep. So you follow me to this point. Yep. So my question is, 
and this is what this is what I'm I'm wrestling with, and I talk to Todd and, and Luke about it quite a lot. Is single malt restricts you in what you can use from a raw material standpoint? Barley, right? Mm-hmm. Barley. But if it's just a classification of whiskey, sorry. Yep. That yep, does it. There's a lot of variety within, you know, anyway. Oh, you carry as, I, as I well know. But with the classification of whiskey, it, it's a broader spectrum you, you can work on, you know, just yep. basically cereal grains. Yep. So my question is the whole premiumization of single malt whiskey versus whiskey, do you think it's changing? And do you also think that? the association with Scotland and single malt, it's more seen, perceived as it's a Scottish thing. What, what, what do you think? I'm curious. Um, look, I obviously I make uh, mixed grain whiskies. You know, we do a sour mash, you know, tiger snake. Dugite um, yeah. is a blend of, uh, and look, some people, 99 bucks a bottle. I take lime burners, which is 146 bucks a bottle. And I yep. take Tiger Snake, which is $135 a bottle, and I blend them two together in a particular secret recipe, and I put it out at $99 a bottle. Like, you figure me the economics on that. Um, <laughs> it's to try and make something available for people sub $100. Uh, yeah. And I can do that economy of scale in, in Tiger Snake. But, um, look, I, single malt to me, it's more particular. The, the brewing process for single malt whiskey is infinitesimally detailed right from you know your strike temperature your resting periods your amount of protein you're getting out how much voloft you're doing you know your fermentation temperature the particular yeast you're using you can if you make a mistake in single malt it shows up really quickly right once you start to introduce mixed grain and obviously within single malt you know you've got pills in a vault Pilsner malt versus pale malt versus amber malt versus crystal malt versus all these malts, right? Um, Within a mixed grain, you start to introduce a far broader variety of flavours to your palate as well as different structure to the whiskey itself. So a mistake is perhaps a little bit easier to to hide or not be noticed, right? So... I would still be thinking, to me, single malt whiskey. And, and look, my single malts, I think, are, are the premium of what we do. I love Tiger Snake. And some of our Tiger Snake cast drinks are absolutely fucking cracking. Our rum is – but single malt, right, I tell you, is it is – if I was a drug-using person, it would be the top drug that you could get, right? It is the, <laughs> the flavour and the structure and the, you know the, – the other thing, I think, with single malt, and it's, I mean, all spirits to a certain extent, but more single malt than uh, grain whiskey or brandy or gin is you know that the maker of that product has kept this as a single discrete strain of malted barley, which is the most expensive grain that you can deal with, except for yeah. things like black barley, which I'm playing with at $20,000 a tonne. Um, Anyway, it's nuts. Uh, so, look, I think you know, when you get a good single malt, you know that the attention to detail from that distiller, and when I say distiller, I mean the brewing, the fermenting, yep. the barrel aging, the distilling, the whole lot, the attention to detail from that person is next level. You know, and it's to, the, it's to the power of something else. So to make a grain whiskey, yep, mate, I can do one and I can do this and this is great and yep, it's beautiful, 
but there's a whole symphony there, right? And if there's one note out in a symphony orchestra, you're not going to notice. My daughter. <laughs> Sorry, ah. my daughter. <laughs> ah, heard lots about your daughter. Hello. Sorry. Sorry I'm Cam again. over in WA. <laughs> Hi. WA. What are you after? No, oh, you can take my phone, yeah. Sorry, hang on. Oh, I need the phone. Thanks, Dad. So, yeah, boring stuff. What are you up to? Um, so, so, look, I, I would think of it as a, as a symphony, right? Let's liken it to that. A mixed-grain whiskey is an orchestra where each individual bit is going well. And, sure, if, if one part of the orchestra is out of tune, you're going to notice it. But if one player is out of tune, you're not going to notice that. Single malt whiskey is like a soprano singer or a tenor where you have singular focus on what you're achieving. You get one odd breath or a breathe back. I'll ruin it. Next time you listen to a singer and they sing a couple of words, do they do this? <laughs> then you find the singer who doesn't take that breath and they sing that seamless you know, connection. They're taking breath in, but it's not an audible sound, right? That to me would be the premium. So any mistake in a single malt whiskey is going to be magnified and show up like dog's balls. Whereas in a in a um, orchestra, one single player, yeah, you're the conductor. You're a you're a very fine palate. You're going to pick it, mate. If you're the general orchestra sitting back there going, or the general audience, I'm having a rocket night out. This is great. Yeah, I'm loving it. Oh, gee, this sounds good. That noise is, you know, the flavors are great. You're going to miss it. So look, I would still go. I think mixed grain whiskey has its place and there is premium mixed grain whiskey because there can be as much attention to detail in, in creating, you know, the perfect mixed grain for sure, you know, because every single player in the orchestra has to be on their notes. So that's equally good. But if, yeah. oh. oh, who died? Uh -oh. And it was such a good point he was making as well. Well, I, I loved how he was talking about the breath and the soprano and then dog's balls, all in one, one sentence. <laughs> that was classic. <laughs> Where's he gone? I don't know. Yeah. W, WA's fallen off the cliff. Uh, has he? Oh, uh, it doesn't look like he's coming back. Well, he's still sitting there. Oh. Hang on. Oops. Bing bong. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, we are at 1 minute 29. So What's we'll it? And, and, and on that note. <laughs> and on that note, yeah. Well, let's let's see if he can, Cam comes back, which, oh. No, he's no. gone. Uh, he's literally gone. We have completely lost him. Really? So ah. yeah. maybe that's a good point, good place to wrap it up after I think, so. I think we're at yeah. the uh, hour and a half mark anyway. Yep. Yeah. Um, right. Do the wrap so, up, please. Do the wrap-up, yes. Well, okay, so uh, thank you to our sponsors, of course, so you can check them out on the website. And also on the website, we've got merch. Oh, merch. Show us. Show us your shirt. Oh. Show us your shirt. <laughs> we've got merch. You can buy merch. You can buy the logo. You can buy look, – look at that. Model oh, it. Model it. Work it. Work it. Nice. <laughs> God is, yeah. <laughs> no one this ever says nice. Calling. I do shit like that. Noise <laughs> is calling. So we have merch noise. that you can buy through the website. Uh, please like. Oh, Cam's back. Please like and subscribe. Yeah, look, there he is. There, he's come back. <laughs> Lost him. Did you fall off your balcony, mate? 
Oh, mate, my bloody battery died. So technology. <laughs> you know, it's a little technology failure. Yeah. That's right. We're, we're 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 wrapping up now, anyway. I think, unless we have any we're final questions, that we want to final do question. I'm happy to take one. How crafty? Happy to have a chat with you. I've got a couple of good things I'd like to shoot you, shoot with you about. Probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> hang on, hang on the hang on at the end then. Yeah, Let's, hang on uh, at the end. We'll, uh, hang on. we'll wrap it up. Uh, so yeah, please like and subscribe on both Facebook and YouTube. Uh, our next one is in two weeks. Uh, as we said before, we've got shit, I've forgotten ben. already. Ben, Ben Osborne, Unicorn ben Spirit. Osborne. Uh, I'll put out the event uh, a week before, basically, so you can uh, bookmark Start that. And yeah, down. like and subscribe, <clears throat> buy some merch, you know, like it doesn't cost much and looks cool. And there's like some awesome stuff there. Look at that. You could look. You could look as good as, as crafty. <laughs> I mean, look, it, it sells itself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all. Like and subscribe, and we'll uh, catch you on the 27th with uh, Ben Osborne. Thank you all. See you, guys. Thanks, guys. It's been fun.